Hi guys, this is Angela Sung with the Warrior Painters Podcast. Today, in the Artist Spotlight, I interviewed Amanda Lee to talk about her journey on how she became an art director. We also talk about some tips and tricks for getting into the industry. I hope you find this episode helpful and thank you for tuning in. Uh, my name is Amanda Lee. I studied architecture at Penn State and I worked as an architect for like maybe a couple of years um, and then basically moved to LA, uh, transitioned into animation and I've been in animation for almost a decade. Uh, I guess I could go into a little bit of like what I've worked on. I started as at Nickelodeon as a prop design and background design artist on Monsters vs. Aliens. Then I did some work on Uncle Grandpa at Cartoon Network. Uh, then I went to Samurai Jack for a while, uh, the newest season. And then I was at DreamWorks for on Kung Fu Panda Village. Then I went to Tangled at Disney. And most recently, I was on My End of Three, which isn't out yet. That'll be coming out in 2021 over at Netflix Animation. And currently, I am art directing on the shorts program in the development department of Nickelodeon Animation. Oh my gosh, that's a lot of really, really cool projects and stuff. Um, I feel like the audience might be a little bit intimidated by how cool you are. So oh. why don't we do an icebreaker really quick? Okay. Um, could you just tell us what you wanted to be when you were like a kid? I feel like I went through all of the like normal stuff. Like I really wanted to be a marine biologist, right? For a while. Oh my God, and me then, too. Right, like every kid, <laughs> yeah. every kid wanted to do that. Um, wait, 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 then, what was your favorite fish? Uh, the one that blew up. Oh, the fugu? Yeah. And then also <laughs> the one that swims sideways where the fins are like... Oh, those are so like freaking this. weird. <laughs> I don't know what it's called, but they look like the weirdest fins. <laughs> How do you do that? Okay. <laughs> um, but it looks... They look like the weirdest fins. And they're huge, right? They're like giant. Um, and then, okay, so like going back, I, I discovered dinosaurs, right? So that I want to be an archaeologist for a long time, like many children. And then I think like the more realistically when I was in high school, I wanted to be a veterinarian for the longest time. And then I, I found out I was allergic to cats actually. And then like, like dissolved my dreams of be a veterinarian. And then, and then, yeah, I went to, went into architecture. After that. So how did you come to that conclusion about like how you wanted to become an architect and um, did you enjoy Penn state? Um, how I became, well, it, it's kind of interesting because I, you know, after my veterinarian dreams were like destroyed, um, I remember being a senior in high school and you're like trying to figure out your life. And like back then you don't realize like, like life is a process and you're like, oh my God, like I have to make this decision, this, this decision for like the rest of my life, you know? Um, so I remember having like a crisis at that time and I was like, oh, like, I, I've always been interested in art. I've always wanted to draw. And I thought like, there was a moment where I was like, oh, maybe I'll apply to art school. And I mm -hmm. remember I mentioned that idea to my parents and my parents said to me in like Chinese, but it was like along the lines of like, don't be ridiculous, right? <laughs> and so like, I was like, okay, well, like I, I'm good at math. Like uh, I like art. And I was like, well, maybe if I combine those two, like architecture is... A good fit for me. Mm -hmm. So that's how I ended up there. Um, I loved being at Penn State. Um, it was really like I thrive in large settings and Penn State is like a school of like 40,000 kids. Um, so I felt like I really blossomed there. Um, architecture school is very difficult. Uh, it's very, very <laughs> I could imagine it. <laughs> it's a, and also I was in a five-year program. So I was in a, I was there like a year longer than most other students. 
but it's, it's probably similar to art school, right? Like I've heard art school is very like you're pulling all nighters. There's a lot of competition. Um, you're like constantly like trying to like outdo other people, you know, stuff like that. So it's like kind of similar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, I think you brought up a really good point earlier. Um, when we were kids and we we're in high school, I always feel like it's like the end of the world if you can't figure out what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally actually went to PCC first for like an year and a half to um, really figure out what I wanted to do. But it was really frowned down upon. Well, I would say like for myself, if I could go back to my old self, like younger version of me, I would be mm-hmm. like, hey, like it is serious. Like don't take it not seriously, but also like be flexible, right? Because you're so young, you have an idea of what everything is in this world, but like you really don't know, right? <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah, like I remember like even in, in college, I wish I had taken like a flower arrangement course. I wish I had taken figure drawing. I wish I had like just given myself the permission to like explore all these other interests versus like, I felt like I had to take like economics and like a lot of like material science. Like these are things I wasn't even like that interested in, but I just was taking it because I thought like, Oh, maybe I wanted a business degree or like, it was very like future focused, which is, is not a bad thing, but I also think it's just like, make sure you, yeah, like allow yourself to explore different avenues because this whole process is like a learning process. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I totally agree with you. And then I realized even after t- going to Art Center that I didn't really want to do game art, which is what I went into. Mm-hmm. And um, I think realizing that this whole art career thing, if you guys want to pursue it, it's more of a marathon. And it's like the, the first few years are really important, but it's more about your mindset, about like your whole life, right? And um, that's why I think you're a really great person to talk to because you have a really good work-life balance. You you know how to like take it easy, which I'm trying to work on, but we'll get into that later on. Okay. You told me about why you wanted to pursue architecture, but why did you want to pursue animation? Because that's a huge jump. And then you did move to LA for that, right? Yeah, it was, it was interesting because I feel like back then I was like in my early 20s, I had just gotten my first job in architecture. I had already done some internships and what, what they don't tell you is, or I guess it's, it's like maybe implied, is that school is very different from work, right? So in school, it's like you get to design like with no budget and you're designing museums and you get to do like you know, like very like, I guess I would like high profile um, projects. But then when you get into architect- uh, architecture, like the field of architecture, um, there's a lot of stuff that you don't get to do, which is like, you know, you, you don't get to lead design or anything. You're just kind of like, you, you go in as a junior architect and you're like put on, like, for example, I was designing bathrooms. I was doing like researching code for like solar panels. I'm like picking laying out like reverse ceiling plans, like where the lighting goes. It's like all of the like nitty gritty stuff mm-hmm. that generally like the, the head architect is like kind of doing the overall like design development of it. But then the there's the rest of the team that has to like make it work. And for <laughs> myself, um, I think very quickly, I realized that I'm more of a big picture type of person. Some people really love figuring out like how like windows fit Mm -hmm. into the wall or like how certain details are designed Mm -hmm. I was never one of those kids in school like all I cared about was like how does this space feel and does it look like compositionally beautiful and um I think that's why like when I realized after working about like a year and a half of doing like just all these like very very technical 
things. And it, oh, sorry, not to be on a tangent also, but you also realize very quickly that architecture is a lot of paperwork. What they don't tell you is it's like maybe like 10, 20, 25% design, but a lot of it is like calling reps, uh, figuring out materials, sourcing materials, like that kind of stuff. But that's kind of crazy because don't you feel like there's a really big correlation to that and um, animation? Because I feel like that's, you You always imagine like, oh my God, I'm going to be yeah. doing like the sexy concept art yes. pieces. And yes. then you're like, oh, okay, I'm just like designing a prop or doing yes. orthographic views. So. Yes, I, I was actually in the car this morning getting coffee and I was thinking about how we should bring this up because it's, it's very <laughs> similar to art and work, which is, Everybody wants to be that visual development artist, right? Which is like the beautiful, sexy shots. And that's great. You might be able to do that. But even the like visual, top visual development artist is still making production work, right? Like Yeah, that they never show because it's boring. (laughs) Because that's somebody who has to, right? Like you need to create assets that are painted so that when you send it overseas, the texture knows how to texture it. Somebody has to paint that without lighting, right? It's just like the materials or like, mouth charts somebody has to do mouth charts if, it's, if you're talking about television somebody has to turn all of the characters because when that goes into animation overseas some you know that's all the stuff that has to get created yeah. and that's like the grunt work i guess but you mm-hmm. know, everybody has to do it in school they never talk about this they just yeah. make you do the fun aspects of yeah. what you're supposed to do at work that's which is like 10% of your whole project or 5%. Yeah. So, okay. So because you had to do so much paperwork and everything, yeah. is that why you decided to go into animation? Yes. Yeah. So I think what happened was I was just basically like, this is, this is not a good fit for me. I remember like very one specific day I was like in the office, I was like looking around me and like, everybody just seemed angry. Like everybody <laughs> in my office just seemed angry. And I was like 23, 24 at the time. And I feel like I had like a flash forward of my life. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God, I'm going to be one of these people. And this is not to say be like, oh, architects are unhappy or anything. Um, it's just like, I think at that time where we were in our project, everybody was just like, like so stressed out. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be these people in 40 years, you know, like, or whatever, 30 years. And I think from that day on, I was like, I need to work towards transitioning out of this field because I don't feel happy in this field. I remember like I would wake up and like my alarm would go off and then like, I'd be like, okay, I have to get up to go catch the bus because back then I would take mass transit. I was working in Pittsburgh and I would be like, okay, you can do it, Amanda. Today, you just got to get through today. Like, yeah, it's so you're like living day by day and yeah. you knew you were unhappy, but what what made you conclude to like doing animation cuz it's such a different industry. Oh yeah. Um, you know, honestly, I did not know that I wanted to be in animation. I just knew that I needed to transition out of architecture. And I remember back then, like when I had that like flashpoint movement uh, moment in my life, I remember I started like catch keeping a sketchbook during that time and I would go out during lunchtime and I would, I would sketch and then I think from that, naturally, it like turned into like doing a lot of research online. I remember following like a ton of artists on DeviantArt back then. Um, and I was just like, oh, man, this is so cool. And I think I slowly started realizing like, oh, there are people that that do this, you know. And, mm-hmm. then, and I remember being very inspired by Pixar films back then as well. Um, I, I just never thought that I could be one of the people that could do that. Okay. Um, so, yeah. And then I actually also had a friend who was in L.A. who was working in TV animation at the time. And he was like, yeah, there, you know, he saw, he basically introduced me to uh, Concept Design Academy, which is where I met Angela, actually. And then also just uh, the general field of like television animation. And that's when I realized like, oh, there might be a career in this. Um, 
I'm I'm 24. I have no ties to myself, ties to anything in Pittsburgh. And I was like, if I'm going to take a risk, uh, it's, it's like now or never, because you don't want like, not to say you can't do it later in your life. Of course you can, but it's like, that was like a perfect time for me because I had no other um, obligations at the time. Uh, so yeah, basically I, I bought a one-way ticket. I, I moved to LA. I didn't have a job. Um, I was very, very naive. I was like, oh, I'm so good. Like I'll just get a job in like three months and transition successfully. And really I was unemployed for like nine months to a year. <laughs> like, um, so do you have any advice for people who want to do something like you? Cause I know there's a lot of people that are not in Los Angeles and Los Angeles yeah. is a really expensive city. It is. So um, what do you have like to say to them if they are really serious about pursuing something like this? It's not an easy decision to make for sure. I remember going back and forth a lot. Um, so that's like totally normal. Um, I think what, what really, well, I would say one, you have to save a lot of money. <laughs> when I made that decision to move, I basically like tried to save as much of my paycheck uh, to give myself a little bit of a buffer space for when I moved. And I always thought like, oh, like if I'm running low on money, I could always, you know, I could always get a job in LA in architecture, like if I had failed, or I could get a part-time at, you know, like a Starbucks or I, that was sort of my last, last resort, like a, like some sort of retail or like, you know, office administrator job or something like that. But yeah, I would say first and foremost, save a ton of money as much as you can. Um, second, if you ha can find roommates that is definitely going to help you in the long run because you can, especially people who are maybe um, in a similar industry as what you're in, though not necessary, um, because then that will help you save money in LA as well. Um, and then like have motivation and someone to basically check on you to make sure you guys are doing like progressing together. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. I think that's that fosters a really um, like healthy environment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, like the other thing I would say is like take coursework if you can um, or find other resources because there are free resources as well. Like Warrior Painters, for, for example, is a great resource. Um, you know, we hang out on Discord and like you can learn a lot of uh, information about the industry that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That kind of segues into the next question then. Um, I know you were taking a lot of CDA classes do you feel like any of the teachers you had at CDA were your mentors or do you have any industry mentors? Um, what classes did you take to help you kind of get to where you are today? So when I came to LA, I only had my, my architecture portfolio and I very quickly realized like nobody was going to accept me for that. So um, that's why I went to CDA. Um, I didn't even know what I wanted to do in animation. So I was taking all kinds of coursework. I took I took storyboarding with Jay Oliva. I took digital painting because when I came to LA, I didn't even know how to digital paint. Like I didn't know Wacom tablets or Cintiqs were a thing, right? <laughs> um, uh, I took digital painting. I took like form language, uh, prop and vehicle design, environment design. And out of all of those sort of, uh, oh, figure drawing, a ton of figure drawing. So after taking all those courses, I think I very quickly realized that I gravitated towards um, environment design anyways, or prop design. So that, that was the coursework that helped me basically develop my first portfolio that would, that got me like industry ready. Yeah, I don't know. In terms of mentors, I would just say like, honestly, it's like most of my friends that I met in CDA, right? Like people like yourself. I have one of, I met Christine Bien, um, Mark Tahey. Like there's so many other people, Steve E. Um, I think like just having 
people working on things with you, like we were saying earlier and pushing you to work harder. Like it was, it was really good for me. Yeah. Okay. Um, those are like really cool tips. So um, you mentioned earlier that you then realized that you gravitated more towards like doing backgrounds and props. So how soon did you like realize how important it was that you needed to specialize? Cause I feel like um, oh. they don't teach you this in school either, yeah. right? Cause they make you do like everything and you think you need to have everything in your portfolio. So how did you yeah. realize that? Uh, I think one was uh, I learned more about the pipeline of animation. Like I had friends who were working in the industry and they explained it to me like, okay, it's like store, like there's like writers and it's like basically a production line. So writers, storyboard artists, and that gets broken out into the different assets and mm -hmm. jobs. And then there's a uh, background designer, prop designer, well, it's props and effects, uh, character designer, which almost everybody wants to be a character designer. Um, and then there's paint, right? So there's like uh, color design, which is painting of props and characters. And then there's background paint, which is the environment painting. So after they explained it to me that like <laughs> these are different jobs, that's when I was like, okay, like you need to tailor a portfolio to a job. Um, and that's when I chose like, okay, I'm going to do like background design. And I started tailoring a portfolio towards background design. I think it's okay to be a generalist. There's nothing wrong with being a generalist, but you're going to be hired for a specific job. Um, so you should definitely be very good at least at one thing. And you can, I always tell um, people or students that ask me like about this stuff is that it's, it's important to have like expertise in one thing. And then what, as you're working and making money and supporting yourself doing that one thing, you can always use your free time to expand your skills into like, say you want to do character design also, or you want to do storyboarding or writing or whatever it is, pitching, you know? That's what I would suggest. One thing that I really like about you, Amanda, is your confidence. I think you have helped me a lot because um, when you first met me, I was a Debbie Downer and I always doubted myself. So can you, you tell me? <laughs> yeah. How do you well, remember that version of you? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, well, it's not Debbie Downer, but like, I think I was very, I always doubted myself in terms of art. Yeah. So um, can you talk about how you gained your confidence and how that helped you? And, um, <laughs> and then, um, could you talk about the, the pros and cons? And like you said, you go out to ask people questions and I feel like that's because you have the confidence to go ask. Some people don't have that capability. So yeah. do you have any advice for people who hold themselves back? Uh, that's like, okay, that's, that's kind of a hard question because it's going to be different for everybody. Obviously. Um, I can only speak to my own experience. I think it's one of those things that it's like developed over time. I, I don't even think I'm like, like super, super confident right now all the time. Um, but uh, I, I, as a kid, I was very shy um, and quiet as well. So I think it's just been a, a, a like minuscule little changes. It's like you, you, you have to get used to um, feeling uncomfortable um, and recognizing that discomfort isn't a bad thing it means that it's a it's a sign of growth right so i know that everybody hates feeling like they don't know what they're doing they hate feeling like putting yourself out there um or forcing yourself to do something with the expectation that like oh it's possible that you might fail right but if you practice doing these in little ways you start getting used to or desensitized to maybe the idea of failing and also the idea of like sitting in discomfort. 
Yeah. No, you shouldn't be staying in discomfort for very, very long periods of time. I think that can be really detrimental. But I do feel like as you grow, like you, you start building a tolerance for that. So, um, but yeah. that's a really good thing because, like, that's you said it so correctly. Because, like, even when you're drawing, right, like you constantly get discomfort, but you just have to teach yourself that this is the process. Mm -hmm. it's, yeah, so, exactly. That's like perfect word for it. It's like it's all about um, a process. And I think one of the things I also want to mention is like you have to be okay with failure. Failure doesn't mean it's the end of the world, right? It feels like the end of the world, but it's just part of learning and part of the process. Like we've all failed. And the more you fail, the, it's not, it doesn't mean you suck. It just means you had the ability to try and learn, right? Um, yeah. And that's, that's okay. Like failure, you, you fail, you learn, and then you move on. That, that's a really good outlook on life. And talking about being uncomfortable and failing, could you give us some like your own personal experience of how you became an art director? Did you fail sometimes? Um, did you doubt yourself? Did you sit in discomfort? Mm. Yes. Oh my God. Every job I have been on, <laughs> I sit in discomfort, right? I was going to mention earlier also. So one of the things I do do that is like talking a little bit more about self-care. So I will take, I'll take on jobs that I feel are very difficult. Um, and I'll, I will mentally know that I am just going to be uncomfortable in this job. And then usually after that job, I'll try to take a break. So maybe I'll take a job that I know is a little bit easier or I will just physically take a sabbatical or a hiatus and just be like, I'm not going to work for like two months. So yeah, so that's what I would do. So first thing I think I took, I remember I was in Monster vs. Aliens. I thought that was a fluke. I had one, uh, I was working on that for one year and then the show got canceled or we oh, no. finished one season, they didn't renew it and I was freaking out, right? I was freaking out for a whole month because I was like, they know that I can't do anything. I fucking suck as an artist. Like I, I had like major like imposter syndrome. And wow, then, I didn't know you felt like this, by the way. <laughs> yeah, this was my first year in animation. Like I didn't, you know, like it's the first year and I just like transitioned from architecture. I was like, did nobody's going to hire me. Um, and then, and then at the time I had a friend who passed my portfolio on to uncle grandpa. And so I went from a CG show that was where you were turning sets to a completely 2D cartoony show. And that was a very different transition for myself. And that's, and, you know, going back to what we were talking about, I was in discomfort, right? Like I, I didn't know the style. I didn't know if I could hit the style. It was like, I've never drawn cartoony ever. And you just force yourself to learn, right? Like it's not going to be perfect, right? You're for, I, I thought like the whole first, um, like maybe month, I was like, they're going to fire me any day. <laughs> this is going to happen, like whatever. And then you just, I don't know, you like, you have to like trust yourself that you're going to be able to learn because your past experience has taught you, you can learn, right? And also that you can be flexible enough that you can work on it. I think one of my favorite quotes that I heard from you before, like every time I'm doubting myself, I hear your voice in my head where you tell me, Angela, they fucking hired you for a freaking reason. Yes, so why the hell are you freaking out? Yeah, yeah, but it, it's true. still really hard to get over. Yeah. It's so. true. They <laughs> hire you because they see something in you. So you have to believe that, right? Also. Yeah. Um, and then another example of that, I went from uh, Uncle Grandpa to Samurai Jack. Another very difficult transition for me. Um, Samurai Jack, very graphic. I've never drawn in, in that style ever. And the entire like season, I was like, I'm going to get fired. Today's the day. <laughs> like I'm going to get fired. And it was, I would say that was one of my most more difficult transitions. And I got, you get to a point where you're like, okay, if they fire me and I fail, I'm just not a good fit. 
right? It's okay. It's not an indication of me being a bad person. It's not an indication of me being a bad artist. It just means that maybe my skills are not up to par yet. Maybe my design skills aren't up to par yet. doesn't mean I won't get there. It's just maybe right now, not a good fit. You don't take it personally. Just They just need somebody that's a little, maybe a little more experienced, you know? That, that's really healthy. So, so after Samurai Jack, you went to Netflix and how did you make that transition? Like, did you ask to become an art director or like, how did that Oh, actually, you know, I never thought that I was going to art direct, really. It was never even on my radar. Um, I was a visual development artist at Netflix. Um, So that was like me learning to like kind of actually produce and paint. And then when I, after Netflix, I was kind of just taking a break for a little bit because I was kind of burnt out uh, and just trying to like regain mental health. That's when I basically got tapped for art directing um, at Nickelodeon, which is my current job. Mm -hmm. Um, There are many ways to getting to art director. There's no one right way. For my own personal path, I think it was just me being able to be a, um, a pleasant person to work with. I think I have a good so reputation. Important. Yeah. <laughs> I have a good reputation. I think that I am one of those people who are self-motivated. Like I think people can tell that I'm self-motivated. And I think that I, I, I want to believe that people see like leadership qualities in me. I don't know for you sure. You definitely you know? have leadership qualities yeah and I think it's like it's like these are the little things that are built with each team you work on because you every time you change a team you're um being introduced to new people who also know other people and who will also go on to new production so basically like how I got this current position was like I was having a conversation with my who is now my co-ep right now co-executive producer or yeah um and he was on an entirely different production at um Netflix and I always make a, con, a an effort to try to get to know people on other productions. One, because that's I just really like being smart. friendly. Like I super, I just really love making friends too. Like yeah. that's just part of it. Like I don't even think about it as networking. It's just, I love talking. I don't know. I'm like the opposite. I'm just like, like, leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Most artists are like, don't talk to me. I just want to do my art, right? Like I'm sensitive, which is fine. Nothing wrong with that either. Um, but I... I I like meeting other people and I like seeing what they're doing too. And I remember going over to Kid Cosmic at the time and there were just some groups of people talking and I just like inserted myself and was like talking at the time. And See, and, that's uh, your confidence coming in. So it's really helpful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, I think I might've known like one person okay, in, in that okay. group, right? Like there was like one person I knew and, but then like uh, they, they knew other people that I didn't know. So I introduced myself and then we, 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 it was just, it's just like water cooler talk kind of. And I remember talking about, I don't know why we were talking about art, but I was basically talking about my own experience of the way that I stay employed is that I'm able to transition styles very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, I've intentionally put myself in shows on different productions of different styles. So I can always constantly be learning. Mm-hmm. And I think like, that was just like such a throw off conversation but that dude that I was talking to was in that group that I didn't know that well at the time, remembered that conversation. And then he became co-EP of uh, Nickelodeon and then reached out to me because he, because of that one conversation, you know what I mean? And, and also the impression that I made at the time, probably. But yeah, that's how I got tapped to, to art direct for the development. That, that's really funny. So um, I, I just want to talk about like my experience because like you, like you said, you never know when something will lead to something, right? Mm-hmm. So for myself, um, I was working at Warner Brothers at the time, and then I got a call from DreamWorks. The lady that interviewed me was Chris Leahy, and she was like, hey, we have background design positions opening up. I was wondering if you're interested, and I was just really honest with her. I'm like, um, even though this sounds like a really great opportunity, I personally feel like um, I want to try like more of a like a higher role 
like maybe art directing. And she's like, oh, we don't have anything like that right now. And then we ended the interview. And then like three months later, she's like, oh, hey, remember how you said you wanted to become an art director? And then I became the art director of people like that. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think what you said is really true. Just be a pleasant person to work with. So but I think you should also ask for what you want to. Yes. Like, I, the reason <laughs> I got my job on Samurai Jack was I heard through the grapevine that they were hiring. I found out who the production manager was and I just went to her office and knocked her on her door and was like, hi, my name's Amanda Lee. I'm interested in the background position on Samurai Jack. And then we had a conversation about that. Damn, that's really badass. <laughs> that's really cool. But okay. I also happened to be working at Cartoon Network at the time. So it was like convenient. That- that, that's still badass. Like I would be so afraid to ask. So kudos to you. I think what's really interesting about your career path too is how you switched to so many different studios. Can you give artists coming in like some clarity? Because it seems really scary when you move to studio from studio. It sounds like you're constantly unemployed, right? So yeah. um, do, you, do you feel like the project-based things are something to be afraid of? And how, how did, what do you want people to brace themselves? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think a lot of people don't realize that our industry is production-based. So you will always be working from production to production unless you end up on something like a spongebob right or like a simpsons or a door the explorer or something you know that's like job stability uh but the majority of your career if you if you work in animation is going to be like either movie to movie tv show to tv show you know web series to whatever but I always tell people like it's stable in its instability. So you have to get comfortable with instability. That's one thing, but it's always unstable. So it's kind of weirdly stable. Um, (laughs) That's because yeah, (laughs) as one show is ending there, there, the TV pipeline continues, right? There's more content to be made. There's more shows to be made. Um, And that's when, like we were saying, building a good group of friends um, and being pleasant to work with and being, having a good reputation is very important. Yeah, that's very, very true. Okay, thank you. So when you were making the transition, was it really difficult for you? And did you have support? And um, I guess this is something for like people who have parents who aren't supportive, or they don't have a support network. How did you have that passion and love to like pursue it, even though you didn't have the support? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, It wasn't like my parents were like unsupportive. They just like didn't understand. I think that um, that's something that I just had to like find in myself. Like I basically was like, this is something I want to do. And I believe in myself. I remember having a conversation with my brother and he was like, are you sure about this? Like, this seems really risky. And I was just like, I was basically like, I can feel it in my bones. Like, this is what I want to do. You know, Mm -hmm. there is a level of like, you have to believe in yourself and you have to believe that you can succeed. Um, And, and that's, I don't know. I feel like that's what helped propel me personally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and then I think also being able to see your progress is helpful, you know, Um, like, yeah, after a year or two, you look back at your old work and you're like, oh, I've definitely made progress, you know? Yeah, I guess that, I don't know. I, I, I didn't have like, in terms of support, like a ton of support. I just have just been working really hard. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, you said you saved a lot of money personally, right. To make that move. Mm -hmm. Um, I I know you're really savvy with money, but did that I'm not savvy on... with money. <laughs> <laughs> well, did it, did it put on a lot of extra pressure on you? Like, did you feel like it helped? So I know you didn't really have like support financially or, and not too much emotionally. 
So um, did you feel like that pressure helped you too? Yeah, I think the pressure was always in the back of my mind for sure. But I always had a fallback. Like my fallback was always, I'll go back to architecture, right? Like it's fine. Like this transition back then for me was like me trying and knowing that I tried. And if I failed, then that's okay. I tried. Like going back to what we were talking about before, right? Like it's all about just trying. And if you fail, it's okay. Like you will pivot. You're a flexible person, you know, and it's, it's not the end. Yeah. And I, I also think life is really short. You should always just go for what you want in life. Right. Yeah. That being said though, I think you should always make sure the cards are stacked in your favor though. Like, <laughs> like I wouldn't be transitioning into a basketball pro basketball player. Right. Like that's not something that's, are like, you sure you yeah, have the height? Like I am very tall, but I'm like not that tall. Right. So, you know, it, it's like believing in yourself, right. C- coupled with realism, right. You got to be real about <laughs> Look at your own portfolio and then look at the portfolios of the people in the industry, right? Like, because that's really important. That's, that's not, true. Like, oh, sorry, another tangent. When people ask me, like, what makes a good portfolio? I'm always like, just look at the people who are working. Their portfolios is the standard. So you need to, if you want a job, you have to be doing their level of work. That's true. Let's get on some more fun topics. How did architecture help you in your animation career? And are you still using those skills um, and like applying it to what yeah, you do yeah. every day? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think the architecture school has given me a very unique perspective. I think what it has helped me with most is like world building and space. In architecture school, you learn a lot about like space planning and you start developing senses for like functionality and like how to make a building work. And I think a lot of those same concepts tra- translate to designing in like visual develop- world world building. So like, for example, like I was working on a store the other day and then I still think about like functionality of the store. Like when I'm going into the store, what is the first thing I want to see? Like, are, are we thinking like cash registers? Is there a food court? And then I also think a lot about circulation space. So how do these people move through? Wow, that's so architecture. <laughs> I know it is, right? It is. But it's all like relevant, right? Like we should you should all be thinking about this because your your characters, you know, are going to be moving through this space. So you need it to make sense and also visually make sense um as you're as you're designing. Yeah. Yeah, because like I don't think people realize that every single freaking building that we go into, there's a reason why they made the space like that, especially if it's like a museum or something, right? Just a an extra thing. I, I notice a lot of people like when they're designing young, uh, younger, greener designers, they don't like think about circulation they space. They don't. They just like put stuff everywhere, and I'm just like, well, where are the people are gonna move through, right? Like, <laughs> or they or they put circulation space, but it's like very narrow, and it's you know you need you need you need to think about like breathing space for for those people too. Yeah. Then how do you feel like it's different between like um, architectural design and animation background design then? Because you said it's pretty much the same thought process. Yeah, uh, I think concept-wise or a thought process, it can be very similar. Differences, obviously, is like architecture. If you build it and it falls on somebody, right, you're, there's a lot of liability there. People die. Um, I love animation because I don't have to figure out details. I don't have to figure out how it's going to structurally be standing up. I don't have to figure out, like, what is the like electrical stuff that's going on behind the lamp, right? For me, it's like a shape that's crashing into another shape and that's that's all you need. Um, mm-hmm. And and you get to be more fantastical with it, right? You kind of can like let your imagination flow a little bit more. It doesn't have to be as constrained into the real world. 
Got it. I, I feel like some people think like, oh, because I s- studied politics before, yeah. it's not going to be helpful for my art career. But I always feel like there's something that helps it. It's like kind yeah. of relevant in some way. So yes. d- like speaking from your own experience, like I know there's a little bit of relationship with art, mm-hmm. but um, do you have any advice with them getting over that and having the courage to pursue art? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it doesn't matter what career you um come from right like my my friend um, a lot of people might know Amanda Jolly right she she was an English literature major I think and transitioned when she was like a little bit later in life too um so it's 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 not uncommon um I think if anything like if you have experience in other things it can only be a benefit to use because you have knowledge outside of art like a lot of times I tell people like we hire you because not only because of your technical skills in your portfolio, but also because of your point of view, right? Like mm-hmm. we want to know that you can think for yourself and not just like be able to copy other people. Co- mimicking styles is like the base. If you can bring your own experiences, your own background, your own point of view, you know, and whether that be like you come, you come from a political science space or like an engineering space or whatever, that will always in my, in my opinion, be a benefit to you because you have a, a unique perspective that is, is um, special to you. So, so yeah, don't see it as a, uh, a detriment or like that you're, you're behind or anything. You know, if anything, it's like just added skills, you know, or added and experience and life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, do you ever feel like there's an age for cutoff for learning? Because um, I know that there are some people who think oh, I'm like 40 years old. Is it too late for me to pursue art? I think it's one of those things. It's like, you have to decide whether you feel like it's important to you, right? First, that's the first and foremost. If that's something you want to do and it's very important to you, then of course you can can still do it. I don't think there's any limit to age for when you want to like transition or even if it's not like you want to get into animation, you want to just like dabble in animation and just like, or even learn to draw, right. Or get into art or sketching or keeping a sketchbook. There's no age. And like to answer your question, no, of course you never stop learning. Right. The people who stop learning are the people who plateau and then they, (laughs) you know, like it's not, it's not good for you. Like you have to always understand that it's a process, stay, you know, have humility, right? Like you might be better now than like some other people now, but there's a ton of people ahead of you that are way better than you, right? <laughs> that's so true. That's true. like that, that's how I kind of like remember like, okay, like I'm, I'm where I am, which is fine. But like, there's a long, like so many artists, like significantly better than me, right? Like, so like, like Angela Sung. So it's oh, like, no, no. <laughs> no, but I think it's really interesting that um, people let the age get in their way of determining whether they want to pursue their passion. I was really into um, Monet for a bit. So I did a lot of research on him. Oh, and yeah. it's, yeah, it's really interesting. Like, did you know he got, he started to get a little bit of fame when he was 33. Yeah. And then he started to get like better and better until he went blind. But I, I feel like age is just a number, right? So yeah, thanks for sharing that. Now, this is the question I'm sure everybody in the audience is dying to hear. <laughs> but since you are an art director who has worked on several different styles, and 2D and 3D, what things are you looking for when you're hiring for your projects or tips that you could give to people? Mm -hmm. Um, Well, we kind of covered it. Point of view, very, very important, right? Like technical skills, very important. So I think first and foremost, I look for like, make sure your technical skills are good. If your skills aren't there, I cannot like hire you. Um, Point of view is second, like 
do you have good design skills? Do you have a voice? Can you design in interesting ways? Three, it's like, I think it's important to have like some variety in of styles. It doesn't, uh, so here's the thing. Like if you have one style and you're really good at that and people are going to seek you out for that style, that's totally fine. There's a lot of artists that work like that, but you have to be really, really excellent at that one style and people need to really like love hiring for that style. Um, I think the better option is having multiple styles under your belt so that you can be diverse and have a wider range. Um, so if you can get that into your portfolio as well, um, it, it's also very specific to um, the different jobs. So if you're a background artist, right, you need good perspective, good scale, um, good composition. Yes. Um, Repeat those things. <laughs> those are the three things you really need. You'd be surprised how many background artists are not good at perspective and scale. They like, really aren't. And it stresses me out. Too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, guys, we don't want to discourage you, but... <laughs> But it's just, you know, just practice, right? It's practice. Um, if you're, if it's paint, you know, I want to see a variety of lighting styles. I want to, you know, hopefully see that you can work quick and loose, but also tight. Um, you have good finishing skills. Yeah, I think like, that, that's it. Like design, good, uh, what is it called? Silhouettes, uh, good form language. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, it's pretty much the same thing for what I was looking for on Kipo scale composition and perspective because <laughs> um i think if you have those things down it's easier to like address notes but <laughs> you're right well, so many people means that i don't have to teach you on the job because <laughs> yeah. you will have the base so i can focus on just working on design right because that's the part that i would love to help people with like working on you know i love mentoring people on design but it's a little bit harder like it's not to say i don't want to mentor other people on, on basics either but it's it's just harder because i have a job to do as well uh -huh. and if i'm trying to teach foundational skills it's like it's it's hard right it's difficult yeah you're so popular and there's like like a long list of questions the first question is did you work on art while studying and working in architecture uh yes i did i but not like production art or anything i was just sketching and drawing and like designing worlds for myself. Oh, okay. That, that was really easy. Um, <laughs> did it take a lot of job searching and rejections before you got your first job in animation? Um, yes. I think I shopped my portfolio. Well, I, first of all, I was unemployed for like nine months or a year, I think. I was shopping my portfolio around for that whole time. And sometimes I would get tests and never hear back, right? Or I would get a rejection. And, and with my first job in particular, I applied for Kung Fu Panda back then the TV show, I got a rejection from Kung Fu Panda, but then somebody had passed my portfolio from that rejection pile <laughs> to another show, Monsters vs. Aliens, and then Frank Rocco was the uh, my first uh, art director who like saw some potential in me and like tested me and then gave me freelance, and then from that freelance, I got my first job. Oh, but yes, God. you do deal with failure. I think that first job is the hardest one to get. Yeah, I feel like that's what people don't get. Like, but once you have your foot in the door, and like you said earlier, if you're pleasant and you're pretty, yeah, if you're pleasant, <laughs> fun to like, you're pleasant to work with. Like, those are the, like the caveats, right? It's not like you get your foot in the door, or somebody helps you get the foot in the door, and then you're just like cruising, right? Yeah, it's like constant work. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so how did you deal with those rejections? Because like, um, I have friends who tested like ten times. And then they're yeah, just like, I don't think I could ever get work. So do you yeah. have words of encouragement for them? 
Yeah. I mean, I don't have any good ones. My cheesy answer is believe in yourself, right? Like <laughs> it's really hard, right? I understand like rejection after rejection, but I think also be, be introspective. Like if you can ask them um, for a review of like why it didn't fit, uh, they won't always give you an answer because recruiters are very busy um, or like the, our teams are very busy. Um, two, you know, talk to people who are better than you um, or if you have professional friends, ask them to help you work on your portfolio or, or even look at your tests, right. And see how, if, how you can recruit. Because I think if you're getting rejection after rejection, after rejection, that is a sign that you're maybe not industry ready yet. And that's when you need to start like internally looking at yourself and like realistically assessing, do, do I need to take more coursework? Do I need to spend a lot more time on perspective? Do I need to spend more, you know what I mean? Like, what is it about my portfolio that is lacking compared to professional portfolios? Got it. Okay, I just want to do a quick plug. Amanda might be doing mentorships later on, so you guys should keep an eye out on that. But Maybe, you said, well, I don't know. We'll see. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you I, were talking about it. That I had spoken to with Angela. <laughs> like, oh, maybe, because you guys know Angela teaches a really wonderful class, so if you want to learn perspective or <laughs> <laughs> perspective or scale, or you know, so she teaches a really great course. But like, I was like, oh, like I don't feel like I have the like mental bandwidth or capacity to teach but I was like oh maybe I could take on like mentorships for, like one or two people I don't but again yeah they're just like private ones but I'm just throwing it out there so if people want to they should um like pay attention to your social media and stuff yeah, That's all but yeah. it's not gonna be anytime soon because <laughs> my job is crazy so yeah, yeah. it's, just it's an idea it. <laughs> yeah. thinking about yeah <laughs> Okay, so another person asked you about um, your work on Uncle Grandpa. Um, mm-hmm. Do you know what they saw in you that they wanted you to work for Uncle Grandpa? I think it was my test, honestly. Okay. I think I did the test and I hit the style. Okay, so um, you mentioned that the style was different and you weren't ready for the show, uh, thinking that you're going to get fired. So, like, like how did you, how were you, were you able to pull it off then? <laughs> work really hard. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay. Easy I answer. Hope the work is good enough. <laughs> okay, that's cool. That, that's um, kind of funny well, that you mentioned that. Answer to that. Um, I okay. So, like, realistically, studying all of the work that's already been been on the show, right? Like, always having the reference of that stuff. So, like, when I joined, there was already some visual development previs that was done, and also they gave me some reference to other artists that they had referenced. So, one of the things are very important before your job, study all those if you can get them, right? When you're on the job, study them too. Ask for feedback frequently. Um, if you're getting a lot of notes on things, talk to your art director. Hey, I notice I'm getting a lot of notes on these things. Like, what are the expectations? How can I improve? Like, are there things that you can see that I can like definitely work on, you know? The keyword is ask. It, huh? <laughs> the Sorry? keyword is ask, right? Yes, yeah, I was gonna, yeah, exactly. The, you are the driver of your own life. So you need to take an active, like, place in it you know so like don't just sit like I don't know I I can't think of a nicer way to say it like don't just like you know like kind of like quietly assume everything is okay like kind of like communicate right communication is very important yeah communication is really important okay so how many years did you need before you got into art directing and could you elaborate on how to ask for what you want without coming off as pushy especially for girls I feel like this is an issue because sometimes I'm like hey, did you get your work done? If a guy said that, they're like, oh yeah, like, no, I didn't. But when I asked, like, okay, are you going on your period or something? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. 
so it took me, I mean, I was not, I wasn't like actively looking for art directing job. That one kind of just like, uh, the opportunity presented itself um that that's also part of it like I kind of just trusted the process and I was like yeah one day I'll maybe get to a leadership role we'll see I don't know I don't really care like it'll get there um it, but it took me like uh nine years eight eight years of working as a production artist slash visual development artist and then I I got the um art directing role asking for what you want okay this is a very like big topic uh, you are your own advocate right? Like, it'll be great if you have other people who are advocates for you. Um, I've been lucky also in my life uh, to have people who have recognized, like, talent, you know, and then, like, will, like, pull you up, but it doesn't always happen. Um, and you should not depend on that happening. <laughs> and you should not depend on that happening. It's true. So, uh, yeah, you are the advocate of your own life. So, you need to, I, I, I hate to use the word sell because it's not about selling yourself. It's about, like, recognizing what your strengths are and expressing them in a way that's appropriate at an appropriate time so you can't just like walk into the group and be like guys my shit doesn't stink like I'm amazing like you guys should hire me right you can't do that but it's like you know if people ask you what you've done tell them right tell them in a confident way if people compliment you don't be like eh, no I didn't do it like <laughs> yeah I'm good at my job right like I work really hard right those are things that you need to express <laughs> Because having ownership of that stuff is going to help you get recognized for these sort of like leadership roles. And, and also like, if you don't tell other people what you've done, they might not necessarily see it. Yes, that's a really good point. And then I was talking to uh, Jake about this on the Discord the other day. One of the things that I think a lot of artists get worried about is that they get worried that they're like, we all hate that artist that's like, I'm amazing, like, da, 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 right? Like, like the drama. Queen. I'm not a normie. <laughs> yeah, like gosh, nobody likes that. But there's a distinction between that and I am good at my job, right? Like, that doesn't mean that I think that, like, I'm the greatest artist out there. I don't, you know, but I am good at my job. I've studied, I've worked hard, and that's totally fine. And that doesn't, that's just confidence and not, like, inflation of ego, you know? Yeah, that that's a really fine line, but I think it's really important to understand the difference because I really agree with you. You do have to speak up and tell people what you did because sometimes they just take that stuff for granted, mm -hmm. but you don't want to come off as an a-hole mm -hmm. be like, yo, I'm the best ever, blah, blah, blah. So that's I a really that, good point. Yeah, I was going to say, I think a lot of that comes down to language um, and then you have to start practicing. And this is a very difficult skill too. You have to practice the language of what you use to express your own like talent I guess yeah, yeah without coming off bad like I feel like I think too much about it so I end up just not trying to talk about it at all but yeah yeah and I think I also want to say it's important not to badmouth other artists too like, <laughs> that's not a way to inflate yourself either like you know like I we all have opinions on like how Sonic the Hedgehog is right or like stuff like that like that's <laughs> different but like or cats right but like don't be like shitting on other artists yeah that's a good point too. So, okay. How much um, artwork do you usually do in a workday and how much do you uh, communicate with the directors? Like for, I guess, storyboard directors during the week. Uh, so am I current or EPs or too? What? Yeah. Okay. So as an art director, I don't produce that much art anymore. This is something that you should definitely know if you want to go into leadership or a managerial role. Um, your job is more to make sure everything is running smoothly making sure the art is staying thematically on or on, on theme um, that you're communicating with your, like, for example, I communicate with my executives. I communicate with my creators. I communicate with my team. 
uh, production, my production team, um, and I communicate with my freelancers that I'm managing. So like I've been working what five, six months in this current job and I've produced like three, four pieces of art. Maybe I do a lot of notating. I do a lot of consulting with the team, but my job is not viz deving stuff anymore. It's more like giving my expertise with, or in conjunction with like the creator's vision mm-hmm. and like, and directing artists to get close to that vision as well. Yeah. Yeah, art directing is not a lot of drawing, guys. So drawing. You want to do it? <laughs> yeah. it's, it's management. Yeah. yeah. It's management. And I would say it's a management. It's problem solving. Those are the two most important things. Which is really important. So even though you're not drawing, it's like the work, like you're behind the scenes and fixing all the fires that are on fire. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, okay. So uh, this is a really good question. I have been researching a lot about coursework and I'm overwhelmed. Is it absolutely necessary to take art classes? I think it depends on where you are in your art path or journey. And I also think it depends on what you want to do. If you're like brand new and you're trying to break an industry and you don't even know how to draw, yes, coursework is very important. <laughs> um, but if you're like, you feel like your portfolio is close, you feel like you're a self-motivated individual, you feel like you can draw, like you can stay on track for yourself without needing that structured coursework, then I think that's totally fine too. Um, yeah. it's kind of, I don't know if that really answers the question, but it's like, um, and then the other thing is like going back to like what you want to do because coursework can be very expensive. So take the coursework that you think will get you closest to the portfolio of the job that you want. So if you want to do props and environments, maybe skip the, character design, storyboarding courses, uh, digital painting courses even for now, because design, technically, you don't need to paint. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay, now for some personal questions, Amanda. Oh, no. <laughs> so um, do you ever get art blocks? Yeah, you know, we all do. Everybody does. I get it all the time. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess in relationship to work, what I've noticed for my own process, and everybody's different, again, I just want to like keep, saying like everybody has a different process right I notice that sometimes if I see if I get something in and I'm like oh man I don't even know like I don't have an opinion on this I don't know I don't know what to do with it I I often need a day or two to think so sometimes I'll have to go to my team and be like I need I need some time to think about this if it's like something that I'm designing it's a similar process I I read all the stuff I need to design sometimes I'm lucky and I have initial like vision I don't know if vision is the right word but like ideas of like what I want to do sometimes I'm just like I have no fucking idea right um so what that means for me is I read it and then I take a day or two to think I just and it doesn't mean I'm constantly like actively thinking about it it just means that like I'm going about my business and my day but I'm kind of like gently massaging it in my brain yeah yeah um, because it's almost like I have to feel comfortable with the idea and even just like get my, wrap my idea, my, sorry, wrap my head around the idea. Um, and then the second thing I do is I research, right? I do just general visual research. Um, sometimes I do like, if I need more context for something, I'll do like historical research or whatever. And, and that usually starts to generate inspiration some ideas yeah inspiration exactly and then like usually that kind of leads you down a path right like you start like you find one thing you're like oh this is kind of similar to this and this is kind of similar to this and then maybe you think of like oh this is actually kind of 
not related to this at all, but then you can kind of smash the two ideas together and that's where like that creativity comes from. Yeah, so that that's kind of how I work through art block, but also sometimes it's just take a break, you know? Yeah, this is a really good um, piggyback question. As an artist making art for a living, do you have days or months where making art outside of work is hard? And how do you work through that? So I guess it's more for your personal stuff. Oh, okay. Uh, I just don't make personal art. <laughs> <laughs> You, you you go dancing right so like you you have hobbies outside of art which is like dance yeah. climbing and everything but yeah, with yeah, coronavirus yeah. happening yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah could you talk about wait, wait. how how your hobbies kind of yeah 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 oh uh, yeah so sorry that was like a joke but it's also like not a joke <laughs> because Angela knows like I just I don't it you it have do to, it once at every blue moon <laughs> once at every blue moon I stream on discord yeah. <laughs> And as long as Angela or Larry is in the background, like, keep doing or, or Lyndon, no, don't quit, keep doing it. They're like, okay. I'm just Especially <laughs> Lyndon. <laughs> um, um, but, but related to that, you have to understand your own bandwidth, right? Like, and it, that's like where your own, you're going to have to set your own boundaries. So for some people, it's really important to them to do personal artwork. For me, not as important. For me, it's like, I don't want to spend eight hours a day managing and looking at a screen and, and looking at artwork and making artwork. And then I don't want to like go home and then come back to the screen and then sit there on my tablet, my, my Cintiq, and then keep drawing, right? This yeah. is not interesting to me. Um, and, and it's different for everybody. I keep like always saying that. Um, so for me, instead, I, it's important to be active. Uh, so I, I normally would climb right now. I'm taking the kickboxing class with Angela. I, I used to dance. I mean, I still dance currently in my own house, um, <laughs> in my kitchen. Yeah, Amanda's a great dancer. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, I go out, right. I get brunch with my friends. Um, oh man, we can't even do that now. <laughs> yeah. I know. Okay. Yeah, so, so yeah, it, it just, uh, I guess to answer that question, it's like, if you, if you feel like you don't have the bandwidth, it's okay to not, but if it's really important to you to make that artwork, then maybe, maybe carve out some time on the weekend, you know, to do it, like, but you but have a really good expense of your own mental health. Yeah, you have a really good um, work-life balance. So I think you guys should uh, take what Amanda's saying and really listen to it. <laughs> okay, like we, we've talked about this on the Discord before, right? Like art is a journey and a process and it's a marathon. So you not burn out in your like first like three to 10 years, right? Like you have to be, and also you have to be gentle with your body, right? Like if you're drawing constantly, your wrist is going to give out. Your neck is going to give out. You're going to have lower back pain. Like You're going to have a tech neck wrinkles like me. <laughs> you have, your body is a thing that can draw for you. So take care of it. Yeah. Um, this is a good question too. Like, do you think that it is more important to be a good artist or a good leader for being an art director? I think both. <laughs> I think both. You need both. But if one has more weight, leader. Um, yeah, yeah, a true. Leader and the ability to recognize good art. You don't even have to be that good of an artist, technically. If you have the ability to direct and lead artists, okay, that's not true. You do need to be a good artist because sometimes you have to do work for them. <laughs> yeah, you have to do a yeah. lot of work. For them. I, I, I think what I've learned on this job is that one of the really, really important things you need to know is that you need to be there to support your artists. So my job is to like help. 
Like if my artists are struggling, I need to double check what I'm doing to make sure that I'm, I'm doing all I can to better communicate with them. Right. Like I don't want them to fail. Um, and if they are failing, I don't throw them under the bus, right? That is not something that that's I do. So, yeah, that's what a really good leader is. And I know it's really hard not to throw people under the bus, but like even when I was art directing, I thought it was really important to always have my artists back and then like never throw them under the bus. I think that's really important. And they don't teach you that in school either. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because a lot of these of, of artists, you know, they get thrown into these management jobs and you're kind of expected to learn on the job. And my my point of reference has always been my previous ADs and PDs. So I think back like, okay, what have I loved about my previous ADs and what have I hated? Like yeah. there are some P, like ADs and PDs I've been like, this is terrible, right? Yeah. So I, I try to learn from that. But also I I... I think that like I might actually need to start reading some more books on like management and like effective strategies in management, you know, because these are things that are skills that should be taught, but like nobody's taught that you're just thrown into it. And they're like, okay, now you're, you're a leader and a manager. Yeah. And it's sometimes a really big, um, it's a different skill set. Yeah. It's really different. It's entirely different from art. The person who's asking this is actually from a business and management background that transitioned into concept art three years ago and he got he or she got a job as a lead and then he or she feels like they're a fraud because they feel like their art skill skills aren't as strong so oh I think it's like don't don't feel like a fraud um just because being able to recognize good art is also a skill so that's good and then keep working on your art skills right like just keep working it's all a process yeah I don't, agree with yeah, that. Don't feel like a, don't feel like you're, you don't deserve to be there because you also have great leadership skills. Clearly, if you come from a business background. Yeah, and I think that's really, really important. And that's important so. too, right? Like, okay. not everybody is going to be able to be like A plus in everything. Yeah, we all have our weaknesses. Yeah. Um, since you work so closely with showrunners, do you know what it takes to become a showrunner? Um, yeah, you know, amazingly similar things to like AD. You need to be a good leader. You have to not throw people under the bus. You have to be really good at communicating. One of the most important things, be a good delegator, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of times creators, like the best creators I've worked with, they are they hire the people that they know are going to do a good job and then they let them do their job, right? They're not micromanaging. They're not like, yes. you need to touch every single part of this process and the pipeline. Um, they're more there to like, similarly to an AD or a PD, like support the system. And if there are problems in the system, work on fixing the problems in the system, not mm-hmm. necessarily like making art or like, you know, writing, you know, sometimes they write too, I guess, but like, it just, it, it kind of depends. But yeah, those, those, those skills are really important. Um, how about like in preparation for like pitch Bibles and stuff like that? Oh, okay. Um, that's like kind of a loaded question. And I, I don't know if I'm entirely like qualified to answer that, but I will say like good pitch Bibles. It's important to have a strong point of view. It's important to have strong character development, I think. And it's important to have like really strong characters. I think art is really great, but the story is king. Like I really do believe in development story is king. So you need to have built a pitch that people basically like when they read that pitch they're like I want to watch this show already like why isn't it made you know like that's what I feel like again I'm not like the most um qualified to to be answering this question but yeah and then I think like sometimes like in in our own development like we have 
creators that are writers and they didn't have any artwork. We have some that were storyboard artists and they had very loose artwork. We have some who were artists, you know, who had very fleshed out, beautiful artwork. They might have like a really great idea, but like when we're in development, we'll pair them with a writer who can like see that vision. So like a lot of times I think what people don't realize is development is like, we're looking for that idea, but we will help you develop that idea too. It's not like you have a full script. Like some people do come in with scripts, but maybe you don't have a full script and, but we see some, something in there and you're also a joy to work with, then we will, we will help support you with, you know, like, that's why I exist, right? Like I'm an AD to help you support that vision. Yeah, that's true. Okay. So there's this person who personally likes doing the grunt work. Is it mm -hmm. possible to do that more than the high profile production painting? Mm-hmm. Yep. There's totally plenty of space for that too. Um, a lot of people I know, they love their work-life balance. They are, have no interest in being in a leadership skill because it's very stressful and puts a lot of pressure on you. Um, so they continue to take positions that are more, I would say like my trajectory has been a lot more like the like going up, but like they take more of a lateral. Like it doesn't mean that their skills aren't getting better. It just means that they're staying in that same position, right? Like layout artists and then they'll do layout artists on a different show and a layout artist on maybe a different style or something mm -hmm. like that yeah mm -hmm. so you can totally live there and be a fully functioning artist and get paid and it's okay too yeah <laughs> that's true um when you want to apply for the location department what type of prop design are you looking for i don't know what a location department i think is. it means environment design okay um yeah. so typically i would say environment designers can also prop design not yes. always the case but um most of the time um, sometimes like very complicated props, like, you know, like giant ships or something like that, maybe are better for a prop designer. For a prop design portfolio, I think it's important to show a variety of shape language, uh, show that you have good design skills and volumetric drawing. Mm -hmm. um, but I think a lot of the mistakes I see is that people think props are like coffee mugs and fire hydrants and backpacks, right? And like the most well-designed, creatively designed backpack, amazing. But I also need to see that spaceship, right? Like <laughs> I need to see the pirate ship. I need to see the exploded damaged car. Like the ones that Turned. are going to be really <laughs> difficult because a prop designer is not just going to be like, like, yeah, a lot of things you get, were going to be like street lamp or like, you know, whatever, but simpler, <laughs> right? But you're also going to be like, oh, like in Rick and Morty, the spaceship is shot down <laughs> and then explodes and then floats and then gets reconformed again, you know, like. Those are all props that we all have to decide. <laughs> so like, yeah, definitely show that range. Okay, that's that's good advice. Okay, um, what's the difference between background layout and design? Um, in a background layout portfolio, is one also expected to include callouts and orthographic views? I could talk a little bit yeah, about this. For me personally, I think the biggest difference between design is you're designing a set and a location where um, you could hand it to the overseas studios so they understand what they're working with. A background layout is specific to what's happening within the animation. So all the backgrounds you see behind the characters, that's usually the two differences. And then you also have to figure out scale and everything as well. I think another difference is um, if we're, we're talking feature or television animation. Oh, that was for TV. And well, that's for traditional um, Japanese animation. So like feature um, 
the thing that I just talked about, but you could talk about what it is the difference like just for what i'm thinking about portfolio for tv versus portfolio for feature they're they're a little bit different and also portfolio for cg versus portfolio for 2d is two very different things uh you can have both i think that's totally fine I, if anything it makes you just more employable um but i think when you're talking about the call outs and the material references and turns and stuff that's definitely more specific to a cg show and if that's something that you're interested in doing um and and just keep in mind you will get hired to do this. So be prepared to do it all the time. So if you don't want to be That's doing true. it, don't put, don't it, put it in your portfolio <laughs> because you will get a job where you're turning sets all the time. And if you hate doing that, don't put it in your portfolio. That's good advice too, guys. Listen to what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, yeah. And then I was going to say for 2D um, uh, television animation, it's more just layouts that are flat, compositions, no Do, color doesn't need call outs doesn't need paint doesn't need any sort of like turning or anything just a flat 2d show me that you can design show me that you have good composition yeah and then visual development is you know everything yeah you gotta have a lot of great paintings there too so <laughs> visual development typically you don't have to have like it paintings like definitely the icing on the cake if you can do it but like armin serrano he it works mostly in just grayscale but he can paint too. So that's technically painting though, in my opinion. Like he's painting in values. That's all I see. Yeah, yeah. You're painting in values. So you need to understand values, not maybe necessarily color. But he's like kind of like so a good special at case. that yeah. he can just do that. Um because sometimes in the feature world they will pair a designer with a painter together. Um that that is a thing too. But the if you want to be like the ultimate like visual development artist, right? You want to design well and paint well. Yeah. Um, another question about portfolio, what does a color design and background paint portfolio look like compared to a background design portfolio? Do you want to answer that one too? Okay. So basically um, for a color design, um, we used to call it, call it color styling. Um, it's basically where you take a character sheet or a prop sheet and then you color it. <laughs> That's first step of it. And then afterwards, um, if you have a higher costing production, they'll usually ask you to place the characters on top of your backgrounds to see if they fit within the um, environment. Um, so the colors are cohesive. And for background paint versus background design, it's just you have a painted background versus a draw, line drawn background, so. Design usually does not include color at all. Like design, when I'm looking at design portfolios, they're just black and white lines. And then when I'm looking at a paint portfolio, I'm only looking at color and lighting. So um, I guess that's what um, I really focus on too when I'm looking at background paint portfolios. Can you understand color um, relationships and then lighting is really important. If you could do it all over again, would you have dropped out of architecture and pursued art from the get-go? Oh, that is a <laughs> tough question. I have often asked myself that, like what would my life be, like how would it be different if I had dropped out? Because my second year, I had literally, I remember like I was pulling my like, I don't know, 12th all-nighter. And I was like laying on like the studio couch and I was like, I'm done. Like, I'm just not coming back to this. Like, I'm done. I was going to like legit quit um, architecture because I realized by second year, I was like, I don't think I really like this. Um, and I remember like I told my mom and she was like, you're already two years into this. Are you crazy? Because <laughs> I was thinking about switching into art. Um I, I don't have an answer to that question. I would, 
I would probably say no, I wouldn't do it because I got to where I am now, right? Based on our all of our experiences, we are who we are because of the building of all of the experiences we've had. If I had quit and gone into art school, I don't know. Maybe I would be something completely different. I don't know. It could be better. It could be worse, but it would just be different, right? Like, it's, I don't know. Well, um, July is asking because she she's in the same spot, and then... Oh, I saw in here she quit second or third year in March landscape <laughs> architecture. I almost thought about going into landscape architecture too. I was like, oh, like I hate this. I'd rather be drawing trees. Oh, maybe landscape architecture is for me. Wait, Larch is landscape architecture. Yeah, Larch. Okay, cool. Arch is architecture, landscape architecture. But like, there was always this like, and and you know, like maybe it was the same at her school, but like, like architects always like looked down at like landscape architects as like the architects that couldn't make it. <laughs> Like, they're not good enough to do architecture, so, uh, no. <laughs> Dude, that's, like, feature artists looking down on TV. Yeah, it's, it's just complete bullshit, right? Like, I think in many ways, landscape architecture is super fun and amazing. Who doesn't want to design, like, beautiful, like, promenades of gardens and uh, in, in for a museum or, like, you know, like, and you, you get to know so much, like, um, knowledge about uh nature and specific plants that are like local to your area for example and like what the different properties of certain plants are damn i wish i knew that stuff that sounds really yeah. cool <laughs> again um, all this information would be great for design right if you start design, designing environments too oh i see oh how about your plain air experience what about my plain air experience? <laughs> how did it help you why did you start and did it help you, I guess? <laughs> uh, I started plein air painting because I just like painting in general. I've always liked working. I, I predominantly work in watercolor. I, I'm not like, I wouldn't say like I'm a, a serious plein air artist at all, but I do enjoy like anywhere I'm going. If I'm, I know I'm going to have time to like sit um, for a while, then I'll, I'll bring my like small little um, watercolor set and I'll, I'll try to do a little study of where I am. I think it's an it's it's helped out in that okay, so I would say two things. One, it helps you view the world in a very specific way and it's what you're putting down on paper is your interpretation of of, of what's you're seeing. So it helps you develop your observation skills and your own design sense. Yes. I think that's number one. And two, I think it gets you uh, comfortable with mixing colors, even though the actual color might not translate to digital color. Um, understanding if you need more reds more blues, cooler or warmer is applicable to when you're digital painting. So That's I think good that. advice. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that's applicable. So that's why I think plain air has been helpful in my own, in my own life. Okay, cool. Awesome. Yay. Plain air for life. Okay. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> this is a really good question since classes and industry events aren't in person this year, how should artists go about networking? Hmm. Discord, Discord, Discord. Yeah, I mean, I, I hang out on that Discord like almost every day because <laughs> I do, like I honestly like need a mental break sometimes, and I, I like I need to talk to somebody. So that that's been really great. I will say, like currently, I don't know if this will always be the case in the future, but currently, have an Instagram that you are posting your best and most relevant work right now. Uh, I have hired off of Instagram multiple times. I get recruiters that send me Instagram profiles. Uh, portfolio very important, but I almost want to say Instagram also equally important at this point. Um, I had one situation where I was looking for a very specific style. I couldn't find it. And uh, it was like 
Memorial Day weekend or something. And I remember like, I remember people were graduating and one of the illustrators that I was following reposted somebody's graduation project. And when I saw it, I was like, I need to find out who this artist is because the style is so unique to what I want wanted or was looking for. So we reached out to her and now she's like basically helping us right now. So I think that's the best way to, to network right now is Instagram. Yeah, that's really true. And um, everybody's hiring off of Instagram and Twitter, it seems like. So take that advice, guys. Oh, wait, wait. One, one thing, though. Okay, go ahead. Do not blast networking questions to professional artists. If you're going to ask a question, okay, it's fine to do so via DMs. Just introduce yourself, demonstrate that you have done the work and that you have researched the topic and then ask very, very specific questions because artists are professionals and they do not have the time to answer 12 questions from 12 green artists or trying to network with me. Okay, so just keep that in mind. Yeah, I, I get <laughs> on Instagram. I always get like questions like, "What colors do you use?" Like, not even like, "Hi, I, I, my name is blah blah blah. Yeah. I'm an aspiring." Because, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because all it does is it it rubs people the wrong way. It makes you look like an entitled little shit. <laughs> <laughs> it does. And, and sorry, that was a joke. That was me. <laughs> um, and and like, just just be kind and be professional. I think that's the most important thing. Be, be professional. Pleasant. <laughs> and be professional yeah yeah that's good advice what are your closing words for the people who are looking to switch from like a different career to animation I think know that the journey is not going to be easy right like you're going to possibly hit obstacles you will sometimes feel like you're plateauing and not getting anywhere but also like it's not impossible right like I've done it other people like there are many people in this industry like know that you're not alone um and that everybody went through hardships and obstacles and that you can make it past those um and if you can make it past those you will you will more than likely like you know build the skills to succeed i guess yeah and i, I think a thing that amanda mentioned earlier too is like um fudge i was gonna say what you said but now i forgot i, I have like both <laughs> Yeah, believe in yourself, but um, you like just be sure to like plan and then be smart about it, and anything oh, yeah. is possible, right? Definitely, yeah. yeah. Stack, oh, stack the cards in your favor, right? Like, yeah. Try to make sure that that what you're doing is is you're working smart, right? Not working just not just working hard, working smart, and yeah, yeah. I guess like just work. Yeah. Don't don't give up and be a pleasant don't, person. Don't give up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'll make it. Yeah, you'll make it. Okay. Uh, but it's also hard. <laughs> it's really hard. This is a competitive field. <laughs> it's super competitive. I think that's about it for today then. Um I, I just wanted to thank you. I think you gave a lot of really helpful information. And yeah, thank I, you I for having me. Yeah, I hope this inspires a lot of people to do what you guys really believe in. Life is short, so you should go for it if you really believe in it. I hope you guys enjoyed this and found yeah. some of it helpful or at least entertaining. It was entertaining. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We love hearing from you. Feel free to write us a review on Apple Podcast or other platforms. Leave us a comment on YouTube or just message us on Instagram. If you want to support us, please consider donating on Gumroad. You'll find a link in the description. All right. See you again soon.